Hello, and welcome to Suture Side Talk, episode 155. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig. And we are here joined by, up to it, down to it, Miles Dill. Good evening, everybody. How's it going? Or the court, Miles, you gotta, I just realized you got to move your camera a little bit. You're like, it's just the your foreheads in there, and that's about it. <laughs> there you All go. All right, sorry. I was at my desk. No worries. All uh, right. We are back again. It, you know, we were really gone, I guess, in terms of our episodes, but we haven't actually recorded for a couple weeks because uh, I was in Denver, actually, with our Miles right here uh, with a few other people, and we had a good little reunion, mountain climbing, going to places called Meow Wolf, which I don't even know how to explain to people, to be honest. But Yeah, you told me to just look it up, and like you couldn't describe it to me, and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, Miles, I couldn't find the words for how to describe Meow Wolf. It it didn't really, I couldn't really figure it out. Oh, dude, it's an art show. It's a gallery, just... (laughs) It's an insane insane gallery, though. It's like a very interesting one. very creative. Very creative. Like, uh, I would say it's one of those things where the art really wasn't to my taste, but the presentation was so good that it only until I had, like, been in there for hours was I, like, Oh, that wasn't really stuff I liked, but like, it, yeah, I had my interest the whole time. So, yeah, so definitely cool. props to him. Yeah, it, it's even if you're not a fan of like the low random pop art, it's still like super super fun to look at. Yeah, and you're consistently going through door through door through door through a door, and you don't know where like certain parts end, and you just keep going, which is really funny. And when you come out, you're like, dude, where the fuck am I? <laughs> just kind of lost yeah. for a bit there. Uh, yeah, Denver was a great time. Uh, James, how's your week? Pretty good. Just been busy. The, we got like a couple people out from work for now. So like just a lot more stuff going on for everyone else. So uh, I was looking forward to a good weekend to sleep and that hasn't happened so far. <laughs> Dang. Oh, man. Right. Nah, that's cool. Like uh, it's just like I got up. I because we were planning on doing this uh, Top Gun like review talk later in this episode i was like oh yeah i haven't watched either of those movies yet so i got up a little bit early on saturday morning and watched top gun for the first time ever and so i could watch top gun maverick later that day so it's been like fun but just like instead of just doing my usual relaxing stuff it's just like i gotta watch all these movies and stuff so it's been a packed weekend so far (laughs) watch some good movies to watch some like bad movies or at least one bad movie yeah we also, yeah, because we watched uh, Jurassic World on Friday, or the third one, Dominion. Yeah. And then uh, this morning, I actually watched uh, Ponyo, which was really, actually... Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, it's hard to go wrong nice. with a Miyazaki film. Yeah, I mean, first time seeing Ponyo, that was a good time. But, uh, yeah, this episode, we got a, a packed group here, so we're going to be talking one news piece, which is just about a certain Sir Snow, Sir Crow, King of the North boy... And then uh, we are topic talking uh, Top Gun 1 and 2, Maverick, uh, along with the, what would you call it, part 3 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusader. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a brief chat on the Showa era of Gamera, which is the flaming turtle that can fly that is not Godzilla and visibly not Godzilla when you watch those movies. But... Have they ever done a crossover between Godzilla and Gamera? Like no, they're officially? separate. They're separate studios. So interesting. They they've never done that kind of thing. Huh. Uh, the, they'll try to. They're 
sort of crossing over a bit with other things, but that's more of in the Toho area, like Ultraman and shit. So mm. Gamera is kind of lonely. To be candid, Gamera is like a filthy commoner compared to Godzilla. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And we're because yeah. we're not talking about the Heisei era, which Heisei era is complete night and day from the show. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that sometime in the future. But yeah, that's going to be this episode. This is uh, 155 and potentially this tonight we'll do another episode later on uh that'll be 156 because i'll be gone again in la next week so i'm gone traveling again but uh that will probably be about jurassic world dominion and obi-wan kenobi show um and it'll i'm not gonna say it's gonna be a positive episode let's just say that so it'll be a good time though either way uh full critiques there but uh now that we've said all that uh, let's just dive right into it. So first off here, there was an announcement for a Jon Snow series on HBO and potentially, I mean, more or less a direct sequel series to Game of Thrones. And of course, it'd be starring Jon Snow. It is uh, going to have Kit Harington in it. And he's the one that actually apparently uh, started the idea. He, he pitched it and they're going for it, which, you know, as everyone's probably seen by now and all the announcements we made before talking about them where, you know, house of the dragon is coming out soon. Uh, disclaimer. Once again, I'm not watching it. Uh, I, I'm not even that interested. I saw the I've, trailers and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Well, I'm, I'm ignoring the trailers. I'm just, I'm not touching it with the 10 foot pole. Give me my damn book, George. But, uh, <laughs> the there, they got that. They've got the hedge Knight one, which would be basically Duncan egg. They've got the 1000 ships, which is the Nymeria one. They've got, the Sea Snake, which is Corliss Valerion, who's also in House of the Dragon. They have an anime potentially coming. And uh, I think that's all of it. They had one that was supposed to be in Flea Bottom that sounded really fucking stupid. And they canceled that. Smart move there. And then, you know, there was The Long Night, a.k.a. Uh, Blood Moon, which potentially was going to probably be the one thing I would have actually watched. And they canceled that after already making a pilot. So I think that's everything they've been working on. But now there's this... Jon Snow one that apparently has been getting worked on for a while. And it was just the only one that was actually kept under wraps. But uh, George Railroad Martin himself will be involved in it. And he's pretty much said, uh, Kit's team have visited me here in Santa Fe and worked with me and my own team of brilliant, talented writer consultants to hammer out the show. Currently, it sounds like it is in the script stage of development. So it's pretty much early in pre-production. We won't see it for a while, considering, like, they'll probably be... I would imagine HBO, Warner Brothers, is trying to do what Disney's doing with all their Star Wars Marvel stuff for Disney+, Plus, where they're kind of, like, having different blocks of rotating things. So, like, here's Marvel, here's Star Wars, have fun. Uh, I'd imagine you'd potentially, at this point, get one to two, maybe three, then, like, Game of Thrones shows in a year at certain points depending on the season and alternate out with things like Westworld or um whatever DC shows are happening now. So I'm imagining they're trying to grow it at that point. Um because th- honestly I feel like they're kind of treating this as their Star Wars uh as oh, yeah. kind of like their tool to utilize in that sense. But milking it for everything it's worth. Yeah. Trying to. Uh, but I guess my question here is what do you guys think well, I guess, what do you guys think about the prospect of the show? And then what do you guys think it would even be about? I mean, mm. I'm glad you said it was the sequel series already, because that was literally the only thing I could think of. There's nothing else you could do. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And I guess, yeah, Jon Snow is still alive by the end of the series. I mean, didn't he just go back to the wall, though? No, he went uh, back in the north. He just went back oh, beyond right, the wall right. with, the, yeah. with the white, uh, so, the free folk. So I guess that might be interesting if we get to see, like, what happened with the free folk after, like, everything happened. Because, I mean, I did always find their, like, lives beyond the wall interesting. It's just so far in the books, we didn't get much until they decided to, like, or before they decided to, you know, march back down south for, to safety. So... I don't know. Could be interesting, but it's just so much. I I don't know if it's just how badly Game of Thrones ended that it just turned me off from even trying, like wanting to see them try to do anymore. But I really like that character. I want to hope it could be entertaining, but I don't think this is necessary at all. Mm. Right, Miles, yeah, what do you think? I agree. Um, I, I think it was inevitable that regardless of like how it ended like the show was immensely popular i mean to think that it was a show that i i actually was like being a hipster and refusing to watch because i thought it was dumb and then like myself got completely enamored in it and then um yeah then it has like kind of that fart ending um (laughs) i think people probably got to brace themselves because they're gonna throw a lot of darts at the at the board I'm sure they're going to try every single type of medium in every single type of way to see if they can make another profitable show. Just like it's just too enticing for any sort of studio to to resist, especially um, who owns HBO? Is that Warner Bros? Warner Brothers. Yeah. Well, now uh, Discovery Warner Brothers, pretty much. Discovery yeah. Warner. All right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Discovery Warner Brothers. That yeah, those execs are are definitely going to keep. It's kind of like Aliens. Like no matter or, or Terminator, <laughs> yeah. no matter how many bad movies they make, they they just think that they have a hit somewhere. So um, the only thing I could imagine going well is Kit Harrington. I haven't seen him in much content since Game of Thrones. So yeah. he really could have been just sitting on his bag and being like, well. The only thing I, I would go to work again for is Game of Thrones. So he might actually have the passion to make it work. Like um, being that that to him, it's probably his character. Everyone sees him as that character. Um, I'm sure R.R. Martin's, I guess, career as a showrunner now rather than an author. Yeah. is definitely going to throw his hat at it. Yeah, um, fuck my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, a very clear example of... Um, I mean, you see it with um, Game of Thrones and like by extension, I think a lot of like new age media is it's the like glorified screenplays. Like I think R.R. Martin only wrote those books until he got a screen deal. And as nihilistic as it sounds, and I don't want to antagonize Carl Rob Review to hardcore fan, but I don't think he has any intention of releasing that book. I wouldn't be surprised. I, no, I, I believe it. I'm at this point yeah. where I'm just like like that's that's a sad thought but it's honestly not inconceivable yeah so what i think is well one k harrington's been i've I've only seen him in like one two other things one was eternals where he is going to be the black knight and you know it's not going to be like a whole thing like i guess robert denny jr considering like the next time we're probably going to see him is blade which doesn't even have a release date yet and probably won't come until 2024 at the earliest, maybe 2023 if we're lucky, but probably 2024. And then, uh, which, you know, being Black Knight will be fucking awesome. But uh, the other thing being, you know, he was in How to Train Your Dragon. He was, uh, I forget what his name was, the Dragon Hunter. 
Yeah, he was the dragon trapper in the second one uh, oh. with the big muscles oh, wow. that uh, what's her face liked, and then he was in the third one too. Uh, it was like something son of something. I forget. But uh, oh yeah, I know what you mean. He, he was a surprisingly yeah. funny character. Yeah, he was enjoyable. And then he was also in that movie Pompeii, which I never saw. And then uh, you can imagine what happened there. And then um, he was in a, sh- a limited series called Gunpowder, which I also haven't seen yet. And I think that was after Game of Thrones, but I could be wrong. So he's been doing some stuff. I just don't know, you know, everything he's been doing. And then uh, otherwise, I'd imagine the showrunners will not be uh, D&D this time. It'll be considering they're working with Netflix right now. So it'll be new showrunners that won't potentially fuck it up as much. Because they'll at least uh, have a better idea, especially with Kit Harrington being like, hey, can I kind of direct my own character to a certain extent? Like, kind of see the direction he can go? Because I can imagine, you know, a lot of people were disappointed with how it went with him, especially like, you know, we were all waiting for that Night King battle. We didn't get that Night King battle. And mm-hmm. Jon Snow kind of got the the shaft there. And then just also got the shaft at the end where he's like, all right, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go be on the wall. See you. Have fun. But... The only thing I could think of is either a the White Walkers will potentially come back or some similar type of threat will return that needs him to do something about it. Because otherwise, like, what else is it going to be? Or something happens that maybe he has to go back south of the wall or leave Westeros. I'm not too sure exactly what it could potentially be, but I'd imagine it's like, hey, you know, maybe he shouldn't have a a sad life as a dude among the wildlings and then do nothing up there. And if there's no dragons, you know, maybe they could finally put some money in and have that wolf run around and be a wolf again. Cause that would be kind of cool, yeah. you know, have yeah. ghost back. But uh, otherwise I'm not, yeah, I'm not too sure exactly what the hell this is going to be about, but I'd imagine we're not mm. going to see this until after two or three other game of Thrones shows. Like we'll have at least one season of house of the dragon done and maybe with two other shows first before I even get like a sense of what this is even going to be. So yeah. it's going to be far along. But, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll check it out if uh, if I get my once of winter, maybe that'd be nice, George. But Jeez. enough of the news here. Uh, moving on to Top Gun, guys. So, James, you watched it for the first time. The, the original yeah. movie from the 80s starring Tom Cruise. And it's the... Uh, I would say a high tier bro movie, if I would, yeah. if I do say so myself. But uh, how there's did, definitely how a few thoughts? things in that. There's definitely a few things in that that like don't quite age well. Like Tom Cruise literally following that woman into the bathroom and being like, "Yo, you sure you don't want to fuck me?" <laughs> I was just like, "Oh no, that that would not happen today." I would hope, but it probably still does. But it was like it was an entertaining movie, but I didn't quite understand why it got like such the following that it does except for that like the the cinematography of the movie is like fucking insane like just you got to remember that this is back before they could really do like special effects like you know computer uh like cg planes and stuff like that so they had to actually fly these planes and like film these planes in other planes so it's just like i can see how the amount of work that went into it was like a lot and so it's it makes me enjoy like that there are movies like that or at least there there used to be movies like that where they would actually spend that much time and effort to make it look real and i think that's one of the reasons why i mean when we get to it for uh, maverick that like 
they really put the effort into trying to use as many practical things as possible and just like real planes like and not cg stuff for the most part so it felt like i don't know i was much more into maverick than i was uh the first top gun i don't i couldn't tell you why mm. it's just like that i enjoyed top gun but i really really liked top gun maverick i thought it was so amazing from start to finish okay was there anything nice, that i guess that nice. stuck out to you about the first one um i don't know i just i really appreciated seeing uh maverick go from like being super cocky and like i'm the best of, of the best like from the get-go and then like he has his tragedy with goose where like goose dies and he's like super shooken, uh, shaken by that like he he basically can't pilot like he could before because he's scared and then he, like the the way he's finally able to get over it by the end of the movie and like save his friends from like that one dog fight at the end and like just to have that payoff at the end where Iceman finally is like, you could be my wingman any day. Like I liked that character progression. Like it, there was a, it felt like there was a good pace in, in like progression throughout the movie. And it wasn't just like a decent action movie. It was like actually good characters and stuff throughout it, which is also, mm -hmm. I guess why it was really satisfying to see Iceman come back for like, even just the one scene in uh, the second one, it was a very heartfelt send off for sure. What about you, Miles? Uh, did you did you rewatch uh, the first one before you saw so the new one? I, I watched Top Gun for the first time at work oh, really? before I went to go see Maverick. <laughs> yeah, I, I put it on the on my phone actually and just had it next to my computer while I was working. And um, what one thing to to add? Oh no! Hang on. That's uh, not just me. <laughs> no, no, no. Give him a sec. But, but I'm, I'm coming from like an opposite perspective. I think what blew me away is is I were a bit inoculated now, but young Tom Cruise is like ridiculously charismatic. Um, oh, yeah. Like he's he's really good at delivering his lines. Like if there was one dude who could chase a girl into a bathroom, it's young Tom Cruise. And um, <laughs> like even even the line where like the girl ultimately rejects him and he, he's like bartender, can I have a beer to put these flames out? Like that's like <laughs> one of the coolest things to say to a rejection ever. Um, I, I was really, I really enjoyed um, in the same way. Like there's a lot of like archetypes that we get from eighties action movies, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's like soldier archetype from predator and commando. Um, and, and then like Rambo and stuff. Like I think Maverick in the first top gun is like set the bar for the hotshot character. I think um, all the hotshot characters, even down to like, stuff like kung fury um even though that's like oh a rip God. off cobra and stuff like anyone who tries to do like an 80s cool guy is like kind of riffing maverick now um well yeah like that's that's kind of what they, they've always been doing I can um see that. that type of loose cannon type guy yeah wild card yeah like i don't think there was a character that did that type of character better until maybe like will smith and bad boys was like the, the, the next yeah. time you had a, a character that was kind of cool like that. Um, and yeah, the cinematography, insane that, that, that they filmed this like all analog. And another thing I, I liked too was the Top Gun series, like one and two, and especially like the first one, they never ever overextend themselves. Like they don't try to concoct a political scenario to make a, yeah. a enemy. 
they they just say it's the enemy and they have migs and then you just kind of left to your own devices um they, they don't go overly into his backstory or nothing they, they just keep it like it's planes and they're training and there's a lot of like rivalry between all these pilots um so i thought it was like really well done in terms of like a technical project and then conversely what i liked the most about maverick was in everyone has been trying to do the nostalgic legacy sequel like so many different ways so many different fictions from games to, to books to, to movies. So I thought it was really refreshing because it was the first one I can think of that just nailed it. Like just it was oh, yeah. better than the original. Um, they, it's not like they threw the original in the, in the garbage and tried to reinvent it. Like, they, you know, they just knew like that you came here to see planes, Tom Cruise and a story about like getting over yourself, yeah. <laughs> which I think was um, pretty gnarly. Yeah, like uh, when me and my brother left the theater, we literally were both saying like, this is one of the best sequels we've seen, like maybe ever. Because like, yeah. we were so worried that like, you know, the, top, the first Top Gun came out like 30 years ago or something like that. Like, maybe more at this point. I honestly, I'm so bad at math, but <laughs> and I can look it up. But the we I when I first heard they were going to do a sequel to Top Gun, I was like, really after this much time like that's definitely going to be a cash grab it's going to be not important not necessary and it's going to be a waste of time and i went to go see it because everyone was raving about it and i was just like no that absolutely was like maybe you could maybe argue that it's not it wasn't necessary to make a sequel to top gun but it was absolutely worth your time and just like mm -hmm. fun and like you said it does the first like everything the first one does but just better and it doesn't like throw the old one in the trash it's just like it it acknowledges everything that happened in it and builds on it and it's just mm. i thought it was really really well done and like a worthy sequel to a maybe not one of my favorite movies of all time but like i can see why so many people like it and like it's cool that it seems clear to me that Tom Cruise and everyone involved in Maverick did, they cared about making this a good movie and they yeah. succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think um, that's a really good point, James. That's what struck me the most was like, you can tell these guys were like, this, this movie can't be bad. If we're going to dig this out of the grave, we got to <laughs> make it worth it. And yeah, so far they did. Yeah, I think so for me, it was the second time watching the first one. And I hadn't seen it for a while. And I come in watching it and I'm like, oh, this is, I, I'm definitely understanding it more. It's one of those things where when you're younger, you're watching it and maybe not everything's registering with your head. Just kind of like when you watch something as a kid for a kid's show and then you watch it as an adult and you're like, there's a lot of adult themes here that yeah. I never realized existed here. It's kind of like the same thing even with this, but more just understanding. Like I going back to when Goose dies, like I, could have sworn when I was younger. I'm like, oh yeah, doesn't he get killed by Russians or something? And then I just see it and I'm like, no, it's just an accident. They're not even fighting anybody. It's just a practice yeah. run. And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't remember this. And it was just so interesting seeing how like, I mean, you know, in the 80s, they do still have certain points of like cliches, I guess, where it's like, oh, the guy with the family is probably going to be the one to die potentially. Yeah. And that happens with Goose. But they are able to create pretty iconic moments with the with the movie where they can bring it back subtly or 
present it as a big standpoint of a flashback or PTSD in certain aspects for the sequel and really make it like highly effective. And also just going through it too, just watching how everything goes of just, yeah, there's the misogyny in it. There's like just the bro pilots that are just like, yo dude, you know, like I don't trust you, you're a loose cannon and like all the stuff with Maverick where his father was in Vietnam and he went like MIA, like they don't know what happened to him. And odds are he was pretty much shot down. Like he's, he, he got killed in action at that point. But uh, you kind of see like how it makes him, why he is a loose type of cannon. Cause he's kind of like wild and out there without any control. Cause his dad wasn't really there to help him out for that kind of thing. But also he, he's trying to prove himself to show like, well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to make it all the way through and I'll keep coming back. But uh yeah, no, it was it was a good time. I enjoyed like it's funny because you don't really besides the very beginning where you do have the the classic like MIG picture moment where he's like cheese awesome. and then like t- it just gets that photo. Um, you don't really get enemies until the end, and when it happens, it's like, hey guys, there's this thing happening. Go run and do it, and you're like, oh shit, okay, and it just it just happens. Where you know in the '80s that happens a lot, and later on with a lot of movies they just kind of do that where they're like, hey, conflict out of nowhere, go deal with it. And it kind of just happens where, you know, I guess going into Top Gun 2, we get to a point where it's instead like, here's the mission. You're going to spend pretty much majority of this film preparing for it. It's just preparation for this like one mission. Because it's like nearly impossible. Yeah. And I think they do a really good job of making it like that is the plot instead of kind of doing what they do in the last one where it was just surprise conflict occurring go deal with it and you're like oh okay but you get all like i said before you get all these different uh callbacks you get the big thing which is the moment in the bar where rooster plays on the piano yeah Yeah. and they reenact that point and uh maverick gets the flashbacks and he's just like oh fuck i can't you can see he's still haunted by what happened with goose he he hasn't gotten over it and it's haunting him and it's haunting him even more now that it's like, hey, good guess what? Your son might be the next one to go to. Speaking of, like Miles Teller, like I don't know if it's just the mustache, but they that was such perfect casting because he looks so close to Goose. It is crazy. Yeah. They really yeah. did a good job with it. And I, I love I, that they're, they're just like mustache. We just need the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, Miles Teller had a pretty hot career before, for, like Fantastic Four came out, and yeah. um, he he like got a reputation for being really difficult to work with. Whether or not that was warranted or not, you know who knows. Um, so one thing I liked about Miles Teller's performance is, I guess Tom Cruise must have really picked him out. Like, hey, you're the guy for this role, and this could put you back on the map. So yeah, he really gave like a a very effort-driven performance even though he didn't really have to um it's one of those instances where i would say like in top gun overacting really works because it presents itself very melodramatically without you kind of perceiving it because it's not like a fantasy like star wars or something but it's still a very like romanticized depiction of being in in the air force and such like that and um like it, the thing I like about it is is they give you all the cool stuff and they take they take all the bad stuff out of it, um, and especially like something in in today's like politically sensitive climate even more so than the '80s, 
I thought it was very clever of them to like just continue with that. Like you don't really know who the enemy is. You can guess, you can like make assumptions, but it's yep. it's all not that relevant at all. Um, like they didn't try to introduce a villain. They didn't try to, I guess, make like a betrayal or something like that. So I thought that was very clever of them. Um, just the restraint. Um, and then another thing too, I thought was was kind of cool was. They, whoever budgeted this film did an excellent, excellent job. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I would contrast it with Dune 2021 because, in my opinion, that's a very poorly budgeted film. Like, it, it shocked me that, like, Dune costed uh, $160 million, I think. Whereas, like, in Top Gun, you could see basically, like, where every penny was spent. And, like, they could not waste time with shots. They could not waste time with, like, I guess superfluous scenes because shooting planes, I guess, is so effort intensive. So yeah, it really paid off with a very like tight script, uh, very very tight sets. Um, Like like none of the sets kind of blew me away, but they they do a good job. Like they don't overly try to like impress you with how cool the Air Force base is. Like Tom Cruise's home is dope, but they they don't really spend that much time there. Um, None of the houses or something like that. So, like, the, the fact that you could focus on these really charismatic characters, and then, like, the sense of nostalgia is, is they almost make these characters, like, even more big in your mind than they are. Like, Iceman's not that, I guess, engaging in the first one. Like, he's, like, the rival guy, but he doesn't really speak that much. Um, he's just more of the guy that's like, I don't trust you. You're going to fuck this yeah. up somehow until yeah. the end, yeah. I love how he, by the, like, Maverick, he is, like, the commander of an entire fleet. <laughs> yeah. And so, but but when you see his appearance, I, I was like, Iceman! <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, like, could you have said that about, like, the first one? Um, And also the, the supporting cast, like, say, one thing I loved is, it wasn't, say, like, the Star Wars methodology where they were really, like, you will love these new characters. Even and then when people didn't, they like kept like doubling down on it. I thought it was great that like the, the new characters were superfluous except for Miles Teller's character, but but they're extremely likable. Like yeah, like Bob was was dope. It was just <laughs> Bob, <laughs> yeah. Like What's that, that inversion. Bob. Yeah, yeah. He just called me Bob. He worked then, out like, well. I like how the female pilot was just another pilot. It wasn't like they, think, they uh, Phoenix. had the whole, like, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix. yeah, they didn't have any of the girl got to prove herself type of stuff. Yeah. Like, I can run with All the big of, uh, They even had the, the arrogant dude, Hangman, and his yeah. helmet was even missing a couple letters because there's, like, the game Hangman. And it's like, oh, he leaves <laughs> you to... I just love that they're like, yeah, he leaves you hanging. Like, you're just gonna... Yeah. You're probably gonna die. He's like, well, I want to win, and I want to survive. Sorry. And, like, <laughs> Fanboy and uh, oh, the other one. Uh yeah, those guys that weren't as important, but yeah, no, they're very visible. And I think like uh, one of the things that killed me was when even when they returned back, when they're coming back on that like broken down, uh, I think it was an F sixteen, F fourteen, F fourteen. They stole. I love that they like <laughs> they nah, run up awesome. to the they run up to the like airfield that just got blown up, and I love like roosters just like. No, this can't be your plan. He's like, that's all we got. <laughs> they just like, it's, walk it'll, it'll in work. and steal a jet. 
They do. They walk in. Everyone's just saying, like, ah, I don't fucking know, dude. Uh, but the fact that he's still like the whole thing in the first movie and he gets in trouble for it. Requests to do flyby and they're like, no, nah, you can't do a fucking flyby. And he does it anyway. And they're just like, yeah. you're, you're in trouble now. But in this one, he doesn't even mention it. it that's how what I like is when there's fa- there's fan service and then there's just like more of a subtle tribute to something. Yeah. And sometimes fan service can be cool, but other times it's just blatantly in your face. And instead of, you know, rating it on its quality, really, you're rating it on its nostalgic value to you. And then you actually look mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, wait, this fucking sucks. And yeah. this, on the other hand, does it in such a good tribute where it doesn't, they don't even mention it. You just see him do the flyby coming back. Yeah, you got and, a laugh out of me because I was like, ha, he buzzed the tower again. Yeah, and you, if you know you now, but if you don't know, then you're just kind of like, okay, that was the thing. Like, it, it's nothing to you, but it worked really well where, yeah, you just don't feel like it's forced. Dude, it's like, just more of his personality the, than anything. The reference that got me throughout the movie was like, a few times throughout the movie when uh, Maverick was like looking for like direction and stuff, he would do the line from the first movie, you know, talk to me goose. And there was one lo- time where rooster says like, talk to me, dad. And I, I literally was like, Oh, Oh my God. That's so good. I don't know. I don't know why, but that plays so well for me. Yeah. yeah that, that was really cool. Um, I think it, like I, I was talking to some really like cynical critics about it. Like, uh, I was really looking for bad opinions of it. And and a lot of critics do raise a really good point of the movie, like like I said before, isn't all that that complex. Like the characters don't have like crazy, crazy arcs or anything like that. But um I think it's a really good example, say if you contrast it to like James Cameron's Avatar, where production value can and like competence can make a good movie. Like, you know, you don't have to have a a groundbreaking plot or, like, crazy characters or a wild twist. Um, If you just have, like, really good actors, really good characters, and then a simple story, good CGI and stuff, like, that tracks. That tracks. um, I enjoyed that that they didn't get too hung up on the, the, I guess, um, Goose's Death Redemption kind of arc. Like, I, I like the notion that the mission would have gone under anyways, especially when Tom Cruise does it himself and he, he becomes the team leader. Um, I, I thought it was super dope that um, the movie had stakes, even though you you didn't, like, only after I finished the movie, I, I kind of realized, that, yeah, like, the movie doesn't really have, like, that. I don't think they would have killed anybody in that movie. But um, they're relying on two consecutive miracles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and when you look yeah. at it at the end, it's like, what if you fail? What happens then? Nothing. <laughs> it's yeah. a small country with like uranium. It's like, what the fuck are they gonna do anyway? Nothing's gonna happen. So it's really, they're just. It's more of the the mission itself is when you. It's that funny thing where you, when you really look at down on it, it's like, oh, it's just American imperialism. Just like going, well, no, only we can be that cool. You can't, you can't be that powerful. Fuck you. We don't care where you are. We're just gonna fuck you up for no reason. And awesome. uh, they just come in and do it. But like otherwise, the the threat is just this is a crazy run that you can all. It's it's a it's a two meter wide thing going through the Death Star trench, yeah. and you can only do it this way. And you're like, oh shit. Like, it's just the performance of the flight itself 
not the stakes of the mission yeah. itself really yeah i really i think like you said miles i really appreciated that they fo- they didn't go too complicated with it so it made the movie feel much more focused and mm. for me it was just exciting to see like okay you've you've very clearly laid out what the mission is and why it's so difficult and why it's so dangerous now we just get to see whether or not these like top of the line pilots can even do it. And like, I yeah. love the scene where like John Hamm is just like, yeah, we're running out of time. All you've done is like essentially proved to these pilots what, why the mission can't be done. So I'm taking over now. And then like before he leaves, Tom Cruise like steals oh, a yeah. weapon or, or steals a jet and shows them how you could do it even faster than he was telling them to do it. And they're just like, oh, shit, it can be done. Like, that was fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. very much so. I do love that they're they prepared to be like, yeah, just fuck it. Just let them die. Just, just have them send them in. And then once they get it done, they'll just probably die. And that's it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. But yeah, it was it was interesting mm. the way it pulls they pulled off. And the fact that, like, you know, there's so many fucking SAMs that they have to deal with to the Dude, point that where... Shot that shot when they get over the the second mountain and like they they hit the uh sam like targeting airspace and you just see like the missiles crisscrossing over the like they do that like really high up aerial shot and you see all the missiles flying across the air it was so like dude there's so many shots in this mm-hmm. movie where i was just like holy shit that's fucking cool yeah have you guys um played any of the ace combat games no i only i actually have only played um blazing angels squadrons of world war 2 <laughs> wow well if, if you guys get a chance there is the top gun dlc they released for um ace combat 7 and um one thing i liked about watching the movie is very clearly you get like the the stuff because you play the game there's a lot of cool stuff in the movie that that like obviously that the movie really influenced uh the video games and there's a mission in that where it's the same thing where there's like a Sam sites all up on these mountains. And the problem is, is you don't get like special weapons. So what you have to do is basically like fly directly above these silos and then laser guide in like a B2 bombers bunker buster missile and then like destroy the ICBM silo, like the reinforced structure and then target laser target another one to destroy the actual missile. And um, the thing I thought was super cool was... Um, they, they have a really good way of building tension because like you're in a plane and like it's a very kind of hard game to get the hang of and you have to keep the speed up or else like the missiles will get you the sand sites but i also love the the awax guy being like like that's a miss or like that's a hit where it's like mm-hmm. on target like and you're like you like get that sort of tensity like come on come on come on come on so like one thing i thought was like super super awesome is like they took it a step further where the the guys have to laser target it themselves and then when goose just drops it blind i was like oh yeah i I, the first thing i thought of was like doing that same mission and not using the laser targeting and how hard that is your targeting computer is everything okay yeah yeah so i was like goodness grief like that that was like um super dope like i think any level of enthusiast could enjoy that film like if you don't know planes it's awesome if you do know planes it's awesome um just really well researched stuff and even though i referenced the video game like they 
the video game uses like real life data and such like that to influence its decisions as well. Definitely. And I will say too, like respect to Tom Cruise for this film, because like what you could say, whatever you will, I guess about Tom Cruise and everything else, but like when he comes to acting and just working on these on, on films in general, whether it's this or like mission impossible and other stuff he's done, like the man goes all out. Like he goes full on, like I want to do my own yeah. stunts. I want to like, break boundaries i would almost say like in terms of like you know james cameron's directing prowess of what he's willing to do to make his film happen of how many like how much of a bar he's willing to raise how many things he's willing to break through uh i would say tom cruise is that equivalent in acting just because like mm. it's not often you'll find someone that really like he pretty much is insisting on doing his own stunts like where you know, a lot of times they'll just be like, no, 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 you're not doing this. And you see all these actors on Instagram being like, look, it's me and my stunt double on pretty much everything. And he's just like, no, I, I need to do this myself. And like, you know, one of the only other people you get that from is like Jackie Chan and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that he actually flew jets in this film and so did other people. And like the fact that they actually really did pull this off. It wasn't just like, yeah, you know, we just watched kind of the Navy fly around a bit. It was just like, no, there was full intent here. And they pulled this shit off and it's not like fake cockpit shit or anything like this is all just real shit. And it's just highly respectable that they actually pulled that off. And I'm mm. really happy they did that, which is just another thing of why the movie is so high on quality in terms of what it accomplishes, um, which I will say, you know, this year is a hard year to compete in so far. I think like I would right now currently rank it as like my number four movie this year, just because like. It's just right under the Northman, just because of how much I like the Northman and what it did and everything everywhere all at once. And, you know, Batman's Batman. But otherwise, like in potentially most other years, this would be much higher. Like it did it did phenomenally in, in what it wanted to get done. And as a sequel, yeah, mm -hmm. as you guys said before, it just it really pulled it off where I felt it's very rare you get a sequel that's better than the original. That doesn't usually happen that often, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think another thing too is uh, I love the fact that the the music was pretty good. Like the, <laughs> they really kept like the same beats. Like the the Top Gun theme is awesome, and I like that they didn't replace it. Um, and they yeah. used it like a lot more liberally than the first movie because I guess they knew like, hey, this is a really good theme song, and it's likely the only place people are gonna hear it. So every time I heard that like bell chime and then like the the melody comes in, yeah. I was like oh yes <laughs> whereas i feel like any other movie um it would have gotten obnoxious if they would have used the same musical cue over and over again yeah you're um, like hey, you haven't heard this for 30 years and you're like oh shit to, to be a critic i could imagine that like if this movie's love spell doesn't work on you the movie could be very very bad like say if you if you don't like tom cruise's acting or if you don't like like if you're someone who finds your pattern recognition finds their overuse of that musical chime annoying um or you I, just I don't like jets yeah it, it, it's very much a movie that relies on a really good illusion but it keeps that illusion i think very well um even on like the rewatch i didn't feel like I, it, it aged or or anything hit different like i still liked it all the same um the movie really just feel like a Disney ride, kind of. <laughs> like, if there was a, a U.S. military You're like, Disney welcome ride. to Space Mountain. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And then in terms of like U.S. propaganda, um, to be <laughs> candid, like <laughs> you're gonna make a movie about fighter jets. Nine times out of ten, it's gonna be like the U.S. And I think everyone was on board with the first one. Like if the first one's a propaganda movie, so like if you're gonna see Top Gun two, it'd be like oh, American propaganda. Like you're already walking into the bar and striking yeah. your head. So so that was like pretty forgivable too. Um, and then to be honest, as a foreigner, I actually like that subgenre of movie. I think they're really funny. Oh, like um, just like kind of recruitment movies and stuff. Oh yeah, I I love them because like <laughs> I think what's hysterical is the U.S. military might have more screen time than the Transformers do in Transformers Two. <laughs> like they, I would be show actually a, shocked like that. Yeah. Yeah, they show a lot of army guys in that movie. Well, I liked it. I thought it was cool. So, um, Top Gun, I think, was just like an extension of a subgenre that, to be honest, I thought it was kind of gone. Like, they like they don't really make um, blatant recruitment movies like that anymore. Now it's kind of left up to video games. Yeah, it kind of died off the way of the Western almost uh, in that sense, I would say. But I guess uh, last couple things for me, one was... Um, just having Jennifer Connelly in this, I was not expecting because, you know, she's not the same oh, yeah. female uh, supporting lead as the f- last movie. And in this one, she's implied as like, yeah, she's just a past flame of his that happens like after the first movie takes place mm-hmm. and she has her own kid and everything else. But it was just in- it was fun seeing her come to this just because like if you watch Labyrinth and other stuff like you're like, oh, my God, Jennifer Connelly. She was like the 80s crush for a lot of people. And just seeing her here and you're just like, oh, my God, it's Jennifer Connelly. Um, Yeah, she just she was a good time. And she felt she did such a good job as someone who wasn't in the first movie, but acts like she was there the whole time. Really, like, put that in well and pulled it off really well. Uh, And then, of course, chemistry. Oh, very much so. It it felt like every time they're on the bike, I was like, oh, yeah, I feel this. All right. She ain't even wearing a helmet. That's how safe safe she feels. I love the scene where she like makes him leave out his out her window. Oh, that was my daughter can't see you. And then he like drops down right in front of her. She's just like, just don't break her heart again. Yeah, that was so fucking good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. That was gnarly. The other being, uh, uh, you know, Val Kilmer as Iceman. Just, yeah. It's funny seeing it just because, you know, you see him in this. You see him in Batman Forever. And, you know, thinking about it, like, when I look back and you ask me, like, oh, who are the past Batmans? You're like, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. And you just kind of somehow never mentioned George Clooney. It just doesn't register usually in my head that George Clooney was even ever Batman. But uh, Val Kilmer, you know, everything with him now, like all the issues he's going through, to have him in this movie again and just the way they really played it off in this movie, like kind of putting mm. it from real life into the film worked so well to the point where it actually probably had the most emotional impact. I would say on the film was when he talks. Cause you're like, Oh, this is real. This is real. Like he's acting, but this is all completely real. Especially when he's talking yeah. the amount of effort that probably took. I was like that, that actually, that, that, that got me for a bit. I was like, fuck, this is actually going to be pretty hard. Uh, so yeah. I really, they, they really did a good job on that. And it showed kind of how much you do care to an extent, even if you haven't seen them in 30 years. So I really did appreciate that. Um, and then the other thing being just that experimental jet in the beginning. And then the fact that he just like lands and God knows where the hell he is. And he's like, Hey, where am I? <laughs> yeah. James, you said before they're like earth. And yeah. And just, 
that was great. That was just a good intro to the film of just like, hey, this is Top Gun. This is Tom Cruise. He likes to fly planes. And you're just like, let's see him go really fucking fast. So to be I love candid, that line. Like, the... he, yeah. He's the fastest oh, sorry, man alive. Ahead, <laughs> yeah. The... um. Because they had the, the uh, I guess, crossover with Ace Combat, and Ace Combat's, like, kind of story is, like, drone warfare versus, like, pilots in the seats. Um, I thought the Dark Star was going to be, like, a, a stealth jet drone or something. Like, that was going to be the villain of the movie. So that was a really good twist, I guess, for me, at least, to see, like, the Dark Star is only just in the intro. And then it established yeah. something, like, pretty wholesome um, about Tom Cruise's character. Yeah, yeah, that was he interesting. He just likes to test boundaries. Yeah, it was interesting that they set up that like, yeah, why why even bother training pilots to be, you know, so good at dogfighting when things are going the way of drones anyway? So like, pilots will at some point cease to be necessary. So I thought that that was going to be the main focus of the whole movie, and it really not really it didn't. <laughs> it was really just for that beginning. Yeah. Part. Yeah, and it, you know, it had Ed Harris too, even saying it to him, like, "Yo, you're you guys are gonna be dinosaurs soon. Like, yeah. you're you're, you're a dying breed, Maverick." Yeah, we like robots that can just kill people, and we don't have to care about the repercussions of just killing whoever yeah, the fuck we want to sleep or eat or take a piss. <laughs> yeah, God, I fucking hate drones personally. But anyway, yeah, it's like a whole a whole thing there, which I also appreciated having Ed Harris in there, as you know, if you're new like older films and stuff. When he was younger, he was in a lot of war films, a lot of stuff like that, everything from The Rock uh mm. to i can't even name them all but there, there he's like always the guy that's like i'm the general i'm the admiral i'm, I'm the guy in charge and i always enjoy that with him he, he's always great for that he's a great typecast he's a yeah. he's an awesome typecast type of guy um and also i i think i don't know much about the behind the scenes but i'm sure tom cruise might have picked like the majority of this cast based on like in industry friends he had um because it, it really just seemed like all the actors were really happy to be there as well. Like oh, yeah, they, John they, Hamm as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even even the... Um, that's what I'm saying, where it feels like almost like melodrama, like like overacting. But even still, like... like yeah, I, I just fell hook, line, and sinker for all the characters. Um, I do wish some of them were in the movie for longer. Like, um, I, I wish... The, yeah, like, uh, Ed Harris's character got to got to have like a fu like yeah and we did the mission without drones like but um even still like that that's just wishful thinking like i, I would rather the mix we have than them have tried to add too much stuff and yeah. to be honest they got material for a sequel now like i would go see a third one <laughs> just, i mean what do they got they got only like two mission impossible movies left or something like that so i wouldn't be shocked if they went that route too for this um but also like yeah you had other characters like hondo who is his assistant throughout the whole thing kind of like the guy that helped him out through it all from testing that first uh plane the the first like jet to uh just helping him train the other fighters um and then like uh i think john ham's character was cyclone and then you had warlock which was the other admiral that was there always with him it was oh, just yeah. like yeah, maverick take it easy dude like <laughs> gonna, you're gonna piss him off ex-pilots too when it, it showed everyone's call sign yeah and then also i loved how they it like showed them as if they were in like an earlier movie where you're like of course it's cyclops and warlock <laughs> i know those guys yeah, <laughs> it's so just it's like random new dudes definitely 
And I guess my final thing for you guys, uh, final question. Uh, if given the opportunity to ever be in that situation, what would your call sign be? Oh. Huh. Yeah, I can tell you right now, mine would just be, mine would just definitely be Kaiju. So that would be mine personally. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I might have to think about that. Uh-huh. Um, to be honest, um, what I thought was really funny about Ace Combat 7 is I had gone by the moniker account before that game came out. And then there was a guy, like a character, and I was like, that guy's cool. And then his call sign was Count. And I was like, whoa. And then the nickname I had before that was Wise Man. And then like a character that like shows up, I was like, Wise Man. And like, I, I, I was glad to see that their mind was in the same place. I would use count as contrived as that is, but it has to be something kind of disparaging. So because my last name's Dill, I think my call sign would probably be Pickle since other people pick it. They're not going <laughs> to let me use something as cool as count. So yeah, it'd probably be Pickle. Okay. Yeah. Off the top of my head, the only two things that I can think of that might make sense for me are like one of my favorite heroes is Spider-Man. So maybe my call sign would be like Parker, which is also like kind of a joke that like I fucking hate parking. <laughs> and I know it's like different. It's like a jets versus I crashed the jet. Yeah. You're just like, ah, just like, kind of like how they, they called hangman hangman. Cause it's like a playoff of like, Oh, he just leaves you out to dry. Like he, yeah. he leaves you hanging. So maybe that could be a joke. The only other thing is like, I go to the gym like all the fucking time. So maybe like gym rat or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those are like the only two things. Yeah. Dumb, dumb dumbbell. Building. That'd work. Yeah. yeah. Which I'll, I will say really fast. I think honestly, out of all the, that generation of pilots, I'm pretty sure hangman was probably the best one in terms of just skill. I, I like, I, I know oh, yeah. it was supposed to be the big pick, but no, hangman was easily probably the one that was like, Dude, I love yeah. that at the end of the movie when he saves them at the end and he's just like, you're looking good. Hangman. I am good. Rooster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so fucking good. I, I i'm a big fan of like they didn't have the the obvious like hangman gets humbled or something like that where they didn't yeah. like kill him off spitefully like he just stays hangman doing hangman stuff the whole movie but like by the end you just like him <laughs> he did have that one moment where like he didn't get picked for the active like duty roles and so like he went over to rooster and like kind of shook his hand and was like give him hell like rooster like so he had like a nice moment like that, but he still definitely is like a cocky dude. Yeah, you, you definitely get that sense mm. of Maverick Iceman with those two by the end of it when they get out of the cockpit. It's yeah. like you do feel that easily right there. So that was really good. For sure. Like I definitely like, um, like I, I would watch a, a, gosh, what was uh, Goose's son's call sign? Rooster. Rooster? Rooster, yeah. I, w- I would watch a rooster hangman top gun spinoff i really would dude yeah that'd be pretty good i'd like i'd see that yeah i think it'd be a good time honestly but i guess uh moving on it was a good great movie honestly you guys if you haven't seen it go check it out if you're waiting it'll i assume it'll be on paramount plus at a certain point but uh because the whole thing is tom cruise he also fought for this to be in theaters he was like i'm not putting this on fucking streaming day one like you got to go into the big screen and see this which i saw in dolby cinema so nice. superb with the fucking Dol- Dolby Atmos speakers everywhere. It was amazing Dude, sounding, I can especially with the yeah. jets. It was so pure. Uh, but uh, yeah, moving on to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, uh, Stardust Crusaders. Where so, the show changes entirely. Yeah, it changes entirely. Like I, I had people telling me 
parts of it. Not like the whole plot or anything, but just like, yeah, you know, I'm like used to Haman and stuff. And they're like, oh, that's not going to be a thing Harmon anymore. And, like, what? and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's no long. It's no longer a thing. It stands. And I'm like, what the f- stands. What does that what does that mean? I love the explanation it's, for that name is like, because they'll always stand by you. Like, OK, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I love that they're they're they, they do a good job of like. You know, Humon is just you're using your own skills, but in stands they they are very clever and expanding it that way because they're like now you have these cool kind of like not Pokemon Digimon creatures, but they have these cool like characters that are now like invisible, but they stand by you, and then they're they're there with their attacks. Like um, uh, what was this? Uh, was it Silver Chariot? Was that one? Of, was that? Yeah, uh, that, yeah. that was a Polnareff's. Uh, uh, yeah, pol- yeah, like yeah. I think the weirdest one is probably like jo- uh, Jonathan Joestar's uh, thing was like Hermit yeah. Purple and it was like a bunch of vines. Yeah, because it's like I could take over electronics and stuff and like he. Oh, yeah, that I totally forgot he could like smash a camera and <laughs> do like a future picture. Yeah, they, they were able to figure that stuff out. But you had those you had. um, What, what was the what was um. Jotaro's one called uh, again? Shining Diamond? No. The, the Star wait. Platinum. Star, Star Platinum. Platinum. And he's like... <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, I didn't get it. One of my friends kept telling me, he's like, well, one, you're going to get, like, what they call Jojo Brain Rot. And two, <laughs> you're going to notice, like, a lot of the stuff that I... He once sent me, like, a, oh, here's, like, Jojo stuff without context. Dude, so many memes out of this show it, at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't understand any of this. Once again, out of context. And then I start watching the show and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I have, um, Dude, what was the his scene name? Kakuin is just like tonguing a cherry. That's what I was, yeah. Nah, just nah, like, nah, 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 nah. And why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. You're like, why is he tonguing this cherry? It's so random. Ugh. But that show does such a good job of just having like the actual, like, oh, here's your monster of the week. Here's your guy that you have to fight who has a different power. Remember when the dude be... had the magnet power and he made like Jonathan and uh, Abdal like grind on each other because <laughs> they were yeah, kind of, like funny. magnetically attracted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh god. god, that was funny. That I, was... I gotta say, JoJo is like up there with Metal Gear for just like raw creativity. Like, oh, like yeah. it's stuff that you truly cannot predict what's gonna happen next, no matter how cynical or well versed you are as a like consumer. Um, I I think that's what one thing I, I liked about all of them, and I think like the Curveball season three or part three really gives is yeah, like like the show is is not opposed to completely changing the everything, even though yeah. like the overarching story stays the same. Um. And also, I, I like the notion of, like, the, the generational one. Like, Jotaro's a really good, um, like, I, I love Joseph the most. And I was happy he was in this one. But I really enjoyed the fact that, like, uh, that's the thing. I couldn't predict that Jotaro was going to be that type of character. Like, He's I, such I thought a it dick. Was really... yeah, I love when he I, talks I never... to his mom. He's like, shut up, yeah. bitch. He's like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love how he's like, yeah, this, like, delinquent high school kid where he's like, where, where, like he's like talking to the guy before it beats over and he's like 
I fucking hate when my mom tells me to stop playing video games. <laughs> it's like the flashback, and he's like flipping her. He's like flipping her off playing games. Dude, I don't Dude. understand his hat. Like his hat just blends into his hair at some point. <laughs> yeah, like that's the other thing too. Is like if it's aesthetics, if it's a joke, like I can't remember the the writer's name, but I just love the fact that like nothing will stop him from doing what he wants to do, like. Yeah. It just, yeah. just blatantly, just, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like as soon as I saw his hat, yeah, like you're like, what the hell? Like it's something that no other character has. Like it's not like a stylistic thing. It's just like his hat. But yeah, I think like the movie one huge it, chain though. coming off his collar. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like in a school uniform, but not like. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, like he's the guy who can wear what he wants to school. Like he's just that guy. Yeah. And then somehow, like, yeah, by the end of the of that story arc where he's fighting uh, uh, Dio, like, that was intense and insane. You're actually just like, damn, yeah. I want to see Jotaro, like, fuck this guy up. Yeah, and it's I, I like wish... the, the... Go for it, Miles. Oh, sorry. I, I was saying, but by, by also one thing I love about that is I have yet, like, okay, very few instances is there a villain, like, that evil but that likable like dio has zero yeah. redeeming qualities like he's not even got a good motivation like he's just an asshole but he's like so much fun to like see on screen yeah. just like in the original one with jonathan <laughs> he gets into the... the cab and he's like just drive on the sidewalk there's enough space and the guy's like okay yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> just starts forcing him to run over people i was like oh my god and he he makes it the politician do it too he's like you know do you know who i am and he's like yeah you'll be dead if you don't do it as i say and he's like oh <laughs> like oh god that was crazy but uh even going back to like with jonathan in the in the original like the the part one like the whole thing with Dio, he's just like, I'm gonna make you look like shit because I can. And he's just such a piece of shit throughout the whole thing. It's like, at least with um, the, uh, I forget what they're called, but the gods from uh, the second part, where yeah. they're like the, those ancient guys, and they're at least like, they're ruthless, but they at least just have like, we're just doing the thing because we want to, like, we just want to rule the world. And again, that, that's all our goal. Where Dio is blatantly just like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, he just Dio enjoys just like, so making people petty. suffer. Like, he, like, yeah. He's like so malicious and cruel. Like, it, it's, like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um, but hey, I, I think um, I was kind of bummed out that like that's the format the show follows for the next couple parts. But then it, it flips the script again with, with part six, which I think is, is just a manga right now. Uh, or maybe it's part seven um it, was it stone ocean or is that no, no um, joe jolian where it goes back to the past it's like the 1800s okay. again oh um, interesting yeah that that's where i think I, I would resume reading because it yeah like it, it became i see why like chapter three is what everyone regards as like the most popular and like what gets a lot of people into the show but um to be candid, like I, I loved it as a finale. I actually stopped watching after to season three, uh, part three. Like, I, I think um, also one thing I, I do love it. I think super charismatic is the subtitles, like Stardust Crusaders. Like, I, I don't oh, know yeah. why he picked that, but like it sounds that's so awesome. fantasy oriented. It just sounds like an adventure. It sounds so adventurous, which they do. You know, it's like Japan to Egypt. 
and their yeah. whole journey through it. So that's really fun. Yeah, I think that's also one thing music. I really liked about the third season was just like the very clear like we we need to get to Egypt because that's where uh, Dio's located. Dio is. And they're just, like, traveling a little bit each episode. So there's, like, a new location each episode and, like, a new person to fight. Yeah. So it was very entertaining from start to finish. And it was also just kind of funny if you watch it all. Like, maybe it was less, not jarring, but, like, less breakneck speed, like, if you watched it week to week, like, when it first came out. But binging the show like I did, it was just, like, yo, they're, like, constantly fighting people. Yeah, and there's oh, such yeah. a, it's such a strange assortment of villains. Like, there's two sets. There's, like, the ones that are, like, oh, yeah, we're other stand users, but we're, like, the mean, like, we're the evil ones, and it's, like, everything from, like, those twins to, uh, oh, no, not the twins yet, but it's, like, uh, what's his name? Is it Hold Horse? Pulled Horse? Uh, uh, oh, horse? yeah. The cowboy? The guy with the gun? Yeah, and, like, all those guys, and then they're, like, oh, there's them, and then there's the ones all just in Egypt that are, like, the the dark something i forget what they're called yeah. but it's like there's two factions of guys and yeah some of the, two of them are those twins where the brothers like yeah i can tell the future through like my comic my manga that i uh create and they have like the ridiculous intro and outro where it, it's not the standard one you have and it's like the weird song they have with this weird oh, yeah. manga animation and stuff that was really great or the fact that the older brother disguises himself as jotaro and then accidentally blows himself up. Oh god, that's so funny! <laughs> the, wasn't it like lemons or something? Like he has like a lemon, and he's like, "Uh oh, there's a bomb in this." And they're wasn't like, like the whole shtick okay? of that episode? They like somehow the main characters fended off those two brothers without even ever knowing that they were there. It, yeah, literally, the two brothers defeat themselves more or less. They're that's just so they kind of just fuck it up, and it's just so hilarious the way it pulls off because they're just like. Oh, we'll use the poison in the food to we'll put like uh, something in the drinks and then like a bomb in the fucking fruit or something. And each time it just goes horribly wrong for them. And it's just fucking hilarious. Uh, or like uh, the, the grandma who is the grandmother of that uh, or the mother of that swordsman guy. And she's like luring them into that hotel place. And uh, Polnareff is the one that kills him. And she's he's talking to her like. Oh yeah, that guy was like a piece of shit. Aren't you great, Granny? Like, and she's just like, ah, I want to kill you so badly. Oh yeah. She, she's like trying to hold it in, and it's the funniest shit. But uh, yeah, you were saying earlier the music is so fucking good in this. But even like the outro music, where it's like that very nice, good vibe Egypt music, where it's just like it sounds so like. Dude, um, those are real songs. Like, like they have "Walk Like an Egyptian." They have um. Last Train Home by the Paul, uh, I think it's the Paul Methney group. Is Last Train Home the one that's like the uh, the outro one where it's just yeah, them that's the like, outro it's just super song. chill. Yeah, that yeah, was it, really good. I think it's the only anime I've seen with like Western licensed music. Yeah, like, I that, that's that, like, I think it was part two. There was a really good outro too that they have. I forget what it's called, but it's like they have um, it shows it's, everything. Yes, it's yeah. Chris's favorite band. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I was like trying to like get him to watch it because I was like, dude, your favorite band is like the theme song for an anime, and it's like really funny. Um, but yeah, I think like um, in terms of like he's kind of like a a, a weeaboo, but for the West, which I really enjoy. Like you can tell he loves like bands and stuff because he names characters after people or has like their likeness 
yeah. in, in a show. And then, like, I guess depending on how much he likes them, you can tell by, like, how he treats the character. Um, <laughs> like, he really didn't like Michael Jackson, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a... Uh, Man, I, I genuinely think it, it left a huge impression on me just with, like, how creative you can be. Um, like, I would have never thought a show set in the 80s would cover so many different topics and, like, points of comedy as well as action. And then the show gets, like, shockingly dramatic at times. Um, I Even though people hate Chapter 2, like, I know the JoJo community thinks 2 is the worst chapter, but that was my favorite one. Really? So... Yeah, that's two, interesting. Two, I, I love that one uh, a lot, Joseph. Yeah, jo- just run away. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so. Now it's time good. for the Joe Star yeah. special. Run. <laughs> or the fact uh, that the he thing... always says what they're gonna say before they say it, and then they get really pissed off at Dude, him. Dude, I love it. It's like <laughs> the next what, thing you say I is this. It is. <laughs> is the um, like, like okay, uh, something I found is is a lot of like anime viewing now is like especially out of the West where, where a lot of these opinions come from in like the U S rather, not, not just the, the West, but like they, they watch anime like a genre and not as a medium. Whereas I think we watched it as um, yeah, like a medium, like, like this, this was like no different to me than say like watching Top Gun. It's just like a cartoon that happens to come from Japan. So like, that's why I think chapter two was my favorite. Whereas I think the reason the JoJo fan base doesn't like it is because it becomes like a, a stereotypical shonen, like that format of show in mm. chapter three. And I think people just, well, I, I wouldn't say it's unpopular because, you know, the manga still sold millions and people still were really on board with the show to keep watching it. But yeah, like there's even sentiment, like people are like, oh, skip chapter one and two and just start at three, which like blows my mind that people yeah. would do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see just because it's literally so different after season three that like, you could mm-hmm. start there. But it's just like season one and two are still so entertaining that it's, it just feels like such a missed opportunity or just like such a waste to not watch them because they're still yeah. super yeah. fun. Um, Very much. So. There, there's like three big manga slash animes that I encourage people to watch because uh, JoJo is actually the last out of this lineage. But, like, the, the grandpappy one that is just... If you want, like, something just as funny as in, like, a show that you like just have no idea what's going to happen next is Fist of the North Star. And uh, it's somebody like, I knew you were going to say that one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, like, really serious, but that, that inspired everyone. You are like already the, dead. Yeah, all the statuesque people. And then, like, even the characters look the same. Like, um, Jonathan looks like Kenshiro. Uh, oh, Joseph right, looks does, like... Huh? Um, yeah, I can't remember. I think the guy's name is Stuki. I can't remember the, the guy who looks like Jesus, but like <laughs> he looks just like Joseph. Um, and also, like, instead of stands, they have like these ridiculous martial arts. Like, there's like slapstick moves where you, you have like no idea what's going to this move does to somebody. Like, there's a one point where like this guy's like, I'm got you with this technique. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to count down and you're going to die. And Kinshiro's like, well, do the countdown then. And he does the countdown, and the guy who does the technique explodes. Like, it's just so out of left field. <laughs> just like, of course, right? No one can get Kinshiro. Um, And the other one's Baki. Um, and I only watched those two because of JoJo. I liked it so much that people recommended them. But yeah, like, um, you could always call it a subgenre where it's like hyper masculine slapstick <laughs> uh, anime yeah, slash manga. I- 
just super workout bro like just like uh fit times because it, it, it just feels like i at this point i see so many weird like videos that is a combo of like yo i go to the gym yo here's a jojo reference while i'm at the gym and i'm like oh my god okay i see how these things are all lining up with each other at this point uh where it's yeah all these fucking muscular men potentially just fighting and doing all this crazy shit but you're also laughing because it's so just it, it's so not obnoxious but um what, I, what would you call it audacious i feel like uh, of how they yeah. really pull everything off and you're just like i can't believe this is real but i'm never gonna stop watching it because it's just such a fucking good time and even then like it, it I, i'm starting to notice now because of course you know uh, i'm still expanding through anime now i've like gotten through so much stuff where uh when i very first started you know i've talked about this before really fast like i my first things were like Yasha and full metal and mm -hmm. like eventually i kind of stopped again until miles you introduced me through a uh, gun of unicorn and i was also getting into attack on titan and like those were kind of like my re-entry and like i'm like oh i want to learn more about anime and i'm like been slowly getting through small things but now i'm like watching so many different shows at once to the point where now i've incorporated anime into like my weekly watches with things that are like on disney plus or the boys on amazon or whatever the hell but it's like now i'm also like oh well here's my weekly anime shows i gotta go watch comey and yeah. spy x family and shit and it, it's just so interesting how it's become part of just my routine and rotation and having different genres within anime now because it's like one of those things where i'm like oh what, what kind of things do you like do you like uh do you like disney's animation do you like dreamworks stuff do you just like anime and it used to be yeah. like that for me whereas now i'm like i look at anime and like dude that's just like a that's an animation style now it's like well, do you like slice of life? Do you like mechs? Do you like fucking yeah. muscle men? Do you like all this other shit? And I'm like, oh, okay, this is much more diverse and wide than I ever anticipated. Where there's some things that are too too crazy for me. Where I'm like, I don't know about this because <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. weird. And there's kids, and so, I don't want this. It's too questionable. But like, there's other things to just really expand on me. And going through JoJo is just like, yeah, it, it gets that weightlifter part of me where I'm like getting pumped up and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And you're just hearing Jonathan, uh, Joseph Joestar being like, holy shit. Yeah, oh yeah. my <laughs> God. <laughs> it's it's so funny. Shit. Like, I don't know why that would be the only English lines that the Japanese voice actor says. It's just, it's so funny to every once in a while see him go like, oh my God. <laughs> it's yeah. so fucking good. And I'm like, I see where someone was like, yeah, you're... I'm like, what's Jojo Rat? And they're like, you're going to start say saying and hearing things like, oh my God, holy shit, yada, yada. I oh, know. No, 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 no. And I'm like, oh, I don't get it. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, fuck my brain. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Dude, I, I now understand where that meme came from where it's like, I'll never forgive the Japanese. <laughs> and so it's just like, <laughs> what? where would that ever have come from? It's like, of course it's from JoJo. Yeah, it's fucking Joseph Joestar. It's just like uh, the goddamn Japanese. And it's like because his daughter married a Japanese guy and she moved away. And so he's just like, I'll never forgive the Japanese for stealing my daughter from me. Meanwhile, his daughter. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. So like stuff. a good point to context is like, so like one thing I, I do like culturally that, that explains a lot is, um, just Japanese people feel like kids can handle different types of content. So even like something as gory as Fist of the North Star and Ibaki, and then even like JoJo's pretty gory too when it wants to be, is those are considered like like boys content, like ages like 10 to 12. And um, I think the humor and sincerity reflects that because like he's truly writing for yeah. like preteens. 
um it, it's almost like the the eastern version of he-man like that type of mm. um audience and i i guess uh objective in terms of like how you're going to entertain i i just think that because it of what it is it's even more timeless like you know i watched it as a grown-ass man and it, it just hit the the immediate kid in me like from the toilet humor so even just like off rip what we said earlier just like how rudely jotaro treats his mom is just like such a <laughs> shocking like like whoa <laughs> like, you can't say it, that you could get in trouble yeah you're just <laughs> yeah and then like in front of joseph where he's like that's my daughter and he's like well yeah. whatever old man like you could get it too like i'll punch you like <laughs> Yeah, it's so fucking good. I have to stay in this jail so Like, it's, oh my god. Also, like, even like, the music I'm being gets out of control. by a demon. Like, uh, even the music oh, gets yeah. out of control at a certain point where... I th- It's that one that's always in every single, like, uh, I guess you could say reel or TikTok or whatever, where it's like the one that's like... Do, 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 do. Oh, like, dude, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Jotaro's theme is only second to me... To, uh, in my in my mind to um giorno's theme in yeah. season like five or something like that like is that my next, that, no, giorno's my next theme one is, is just four. crazy it's so good but the one i that that one that is well known that is uh jotaro's theme right that that was yeah. the one yeah, yeah so that one i crack up because now i'm like hearing that so many times out of context and i'm like i don't know what the fuck this means and then finally watching the show i'm like oh i get it now it it's yeah and it's one of those things where you know there's so many long form animes that i'm trying to tackle and right now my focus my priority right now is gundam i'm like i want to get through universal century i'm halfway through re-watching unicorn which i like i said miles was my miles had me as that entry point into gundam for me and going through it a second time i'm loving it even more than the first and i'm more understanding of it and i'm like i get it now it's even more depressing knowing who um, uh, Marita Cruz is after watching ZZ Gundam going yeah. like, she's another clone and I'm about to be incredibly depressed once mm-hmm. again. Which I also realize with Gundam comes in extreme depression at times when I'm like, come on, why do you have to always just like kill off people like this? It's so depressing. I but, do enjoy like, how Gundam's just black pills constantly. <laughs> consistently, it's insane. But like going through that and then once that's done, I'm going to finish off like I'm going to go through the, I guess, parts four through six of Jojo uh, and then uh, potentially uh, attempt to tackle One Piece. But I'm like, oh, there's One Piece. There's uh, Naruto, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z and all the other Dragon Ball shit, Evangelion. And I'm like looking at all these massive shows and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is going to be such a just like it's one of those things where i'm like cool i got these things i can do in the background not like watch them in the background because i need the subtitles i have to pay attention but like there are these ones i can do when i have the time while i'm watching these current ones that are going on that are like are actually weekly and everything else even though i think everything wrapped up now there's not really any anime at the moment now that spy x mm. and comey have finished but it, it's been a good time just going through all of this and i've really i'm it's funny because i think i was even talking to momo about it at one point too who's been on here before as well and i was telling her like i really hate that y'all did this to me because now mm-hmm. like anime is kind of if not equal if not kind of more overshadowing in terms of my excitement to watch than like live action american content where Dude. i'm like i'm like at the point right now i was going through and i'm like oh it's the weekend i'm gonna watch the boys first and then I'm going to get really happy and watch Comey and Spike's family. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, what? I'm more excited for these, like, little 30-minute animated shows from Japan 
than I am about like all these different like streamer uh, weekly or binge shows that are coming out constantly, even like Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, this is yeah. more entertaining to me than Star Wars now. At this it's point. why it took I me think... so long to get to like Stranger Things and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, like something I'll say, because um, I have some friends who, who like, they, they still, I guess, don't get it, so to speak. Like, they're like, oh, why do people watch anime and stuff? And um, something I, I noticed, especially, say, like, watching JoJo or something, is, like, you look at, like, a lot of, like, old school storytelling techniques that I think a lot of creators today, they, they see it as, like, outdated or they, they want to do something different. So they kind of get left by the wayside. One thing I like about anime in particular is they kind of retain everything. Like you can tell when the creators, like the writer, uh, saw something that they liked and they were like, I have to put this in my manga. Um, even down if there's like, um, I, I think a, a funny viral post I saw is um, who's the guy who plays Roy Batty in, in Blade Runner? Uh, Hot Briar or something like that? Wait, in which um, Blade Runner 1 or 2? Rutger Hauger, uh, oh Rutger Hauer, Rutger Hauer, Rutger Hauer is like like his face. Once Japanese like artists saw it, he is like the basis for so many characters. Um, like just physically, you like he appears in so many anime, and like that that's the thing I like is in something like anime or or manga, they can reuse an actor however times they want. Like it's not like uh in live action. So in in turn, that's why I think it's a very uh, it's almost like the only visual form of media, I think, that has the diversity and hidden impact personally as music does. Like, I, I think, like, people's taste in anime is, like, just as, like, esoteric or diverse as someone's taste in music. And um, even down to, like, like shows where people are like, oh, it's, like, no one likes it but me. Um, that type of thing. So, yeah, like, seeing JoJo be, like, this 80s anime movies... Like it was like Ready Player One, but like way more tasteful. Tasteful, if that if that makes sense. No, that makes like you that get, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you're pointing at the TV a lot, but like you don't feel like you're like sawing. You're like, yay! It's more <laughs> of like you it. just feel that influence more than that just uh, fan service or something like that. Yeah, just, yeah. And I will say too, I think one thing that I guess I prefer on now current modern day uh japanese anime over uh modern american animation uh is or american cartoons i guess you would say is the fact that you do actually feel like there's more growth with characters in anime like you see their progression you see like oh this many years went by since the last season you're like oh shit like something like this is happening it's insane whether it's uh you see the progress through like i guess things like dragon ball or one piece or thing uh full metal and you watch characters literally get taller and grow and everything else uh where it's like in american cartoons you don't really get that you they have the same outfit the same time uh and they feel like they're the same age for like 20 years or something uh apart from yeah. maybe like uh things like young justice and justice league you know more like i guess the anime the dc stuff where you're like oh my god this is actually insanely good but uh th- I, I guess that's like the reason why it's becoming so interesting to me now but yeah it's jojo's a good time and i can't wait to watch the rest of it and then uh finishing out one last thing uh we talked about before uh, in terms of like we always do like a monster movie thursday every week and we watch all these movies one thing we've been doing was watching all the uh which i've talked previously about all the different godzilla eras again 
But uh, we've been going through Gamera right now, which is from a different company from Toho, actually called Daiso. And they kind of came in like uh, 10 years after Godzilla and were like, hey, what if we did our own monster? And it's a flaming turtle that flies and his name is Gamera and he's friends with all the kids. And you're like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out. And Miles, we've been watching, we pretty much watched almost every mm -hmm. single Showa era film. And we're currently in the Heisei era, which is night and day with it. But watching the Showa era one, it felt very like, felt like it missed the point of Godzilla, where at least with the original Godzilla movie, it was very much about, you know, uh, anti-nuclear power and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. in all the films, there's always a clear storyline with the humans and there are usually adults there are kids in it but they're they don't like make the kid the main character because they know how ridiculous it gets so it's like usually a crazy i mean it, it gets into a crazy plot but it still really works because yeah. it's like all these adults doing something whether it's like aliens invading or there's a smog monster or something like that the and... only time i can think of where the kid was like really i guess sort of important to the plot besides the ones where like minya was a thing was like when Jet Jaguar was a thing. Yeah. There was like and that, that worked one really kid. well. The yeah, kid got then, decked, though. <laughs> yeah, the kid, the kid gets the shit kicked out of him by fucking two older men from a town called Seatopia underwater. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep beating the shit out of you guys. And everyone just keeps beating the shit out of each other that entire movie. But, like, when you get to Gamera, they're, like, solely, like, hey, look, it's a kid. The kid's the main character. And he also has a friend that's a giant turtle that always tries to save him. And it just feels so random with a lot of the shit that happens in it. Like, I think there's these alien ladies at one point. Miles, correct me if I'm wrong. Remember those alien ladies? That this come is in the show like, ones we're talking about, right? Yeah. And they're like, we're going to eat yeah. you guys. We want your brains so we can uh, learn human knowledge or something. Uh, and then the monsters just look so like they, they feel like they're lacking the creativity that the Godzilla villains had. Uh, except for yeah. maybe um, one of the, except for like two of them, where like they just kind of look like weird, just like this is four legged villain and it has face that looks weird and he just might shoot laser from head. And you're like, okay, thanks, Barugon. I, I, uh, uh, I'll stick to Baragon instead of Barugon personally. But there's like two monsters that were actually somewhat interesting, which was uh, Gaio, which was like a weird triangle pterodactyl. That looked really funny. And then uh, I think his name was Giron, which was actually yeah. what I want to say for those that like Pacific Rim was an influence on that movie with uh, Knifehead, uh, who is one of the kaiju in it. Mm. Uh, that monster pretty much got, I think it was Giron, was like the same thing, except in this movie, he just like would keep chopping off parts of other monsters like, you just chop off legs, but it's so cartoonish with, like, the, the props for it that it looked really funny that it would occur. But uh, at a certain point, these movies felt weird because, like, they stopped just having a Japanese kid as the main character. It would be like, oh, here's a Japanese kid. And also, let's put in a white kid who could somehow speak fluent Japanese. And it's either mm -hmm. usually an American kid or a British kid. And it just felt so random that all these things would happen. But it just, it, it felt yeah. It was lacking the maturity the Godzilla ones did, even though those are already ridiculous. So imagine a ridiculous Showa era Godzilla movie, but now even more dumbed down and feeling even less like, I don't know, it just felt weird. It, it seems like they're really relying on accidental rentals. Like they're really hoping it's just a tired parent who's just like, oh, this is Godzilla. <laughs> and you like, you get it and you're like, this is not Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And then the movie just has like, 
Yeah, it's almost like the producer was like, basically, we'll bullet point out successful Godzilla movies, and we'll do all the bullet points for as cheap as possible in hopes that we can make like the same return. Uh, I don't know how profitable the films were, but they they are a real slog. Yeah, and I think in terms of the monster creativity too, when you look at Godzilla's villains, they look completely, you know, all the mon- all the monsters in Godzilla look substantially different from each other, from the color to the style to like whatever even their appendages are. Like if one has fucking hook arms and the other has no arms and he just has three heads and wings and shit. Like they look ridiculously different and they're easily identifiable. Uh, Gamera's feel like they were all made from the same material that they look like they're just shaped differently. It's like, oh, this is just different shaped, but kind of same monster each time almost. So they don't feel too, they just don't feel that different from each other. And I think in terms of creativity, they, they lack there. But one other thing, too, is just like uh, it is one of those. I think it's the perfect example of the kid going, Mom, can we get Godzilla? And Mom going, no, we have Godzilla at home. And it's like Godzilla at home. And it just shows Gamera. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, dude, it, it, they are almost irredeemably bad. I, I yeah. can't say they have much charm to them. Um, if, if you just like cataloging like if, if you're just like raw dog just i have to see these movies just to say i've seen them then sure but i can't recommend those those showa era gamera movies to anyone yeah and it, even with it all like it's one of those it's it's funny too because like you look at the original godzilla film and it's standalone like it's very much like oh this is a film you could watch it on its own it's very much important i look at the first gamera movie and i'm like i remember nothing important of this I would just say maybe watch like the third one and like the fifth one or something like watch the one with the the triangle pterodactyl and watch the one with the guy with the knife on his head and then skip all the others. You could just watch two of them and not have to watch the rest and you're pretty much good to go. Uh, I think even one of them has just the B-roll from the other three movies making up 15 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, what what are you doing? (laughs) Why are we watching this again? But one last thing for it was like uh, the reason Gamera came back was they did a big Gamera collection with Arrow Video, kind of like the Godzilla Criterion collection for the Showa era. And I'm like, I've never seen a Gamera movie. Should I get this? And all these kaiju people online on Twitter, on Instagram are like, oh, if you're a fan of Godzilla, you're a fan of kaiju and stuff, you got to get the Gamera movies. Like, just get the collection. It's going to be worth it. And I'm like, okay. And luckily, it's also on Prime Video. It's included in Prime Video. So I haven't opened my copy yet, my big old box. And I'm like watching these and I'm like, they fucking lied to me. These are trash. (laughs) So I'm very much like, I'm going to sell this. And uh, I will say like, like I said, we're not finished with it, but we've been watching the Heisei era, which is substantially night and day better. There's only like three of them. And I'm like, I'll just buy this little, they have like a separate portion where they're like, you could buy, either the giant collection for a shit ton, or you could buy just the Showa era or the Heisei era. And I'm like, cool, I'll just get the Heisei era because that's actually the only good one. The The campiness and ridiculousness in the Showa isn't worth it, especially when you already have Godzilla existing with like 15 movies you can choose from. So uh, that's our, yeah. I guess. I can't, like, one thing that the Heisei era, I can understand like someone being contrarian and being like, I like Gamera more than Godzilla. Like that with the Hisei films, the quality is so good. And like what they choose to focus on and do differently than like 
um, Godzilla films, I could definitely see that and and be like, okay, yeah, you could be a Gamera fanboy. But the Showa ones, I I'm like, okay, you're just gaslighting me. That that is just gaslighting. It, it, yeah. they're just that bad. They they feel like slogs at a certain point, even though they're pretty short. Uh, so that's kind of like when I'm, I guess you could say whenever there's a short movie that feels like it's too long, that's how you know it's an example of a bad film or a film that is poorly utilized, uh, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I'd say that's uh, our thoughts on Gamera. And I think that is also all the time we have. Actually, we we did that pretty good. It's like almost exactly an hour and a half and we got all three of these things done. Two Top Gun movies, Jon Snow news. There's a Stardust Crusader, an entire era of Gamera. So I'd say a job well done. Yes. Nailed yeah. it. Great conversation. But uh, like I said before, uh, we're going to attempt to do a second episode for the following week, uh, probably focused on Jurassic World Dominion and Obi-Wan. And I think Dominion is probably the least amount I'll ever have to say on any Jurassic movie for the first time. Uh, but we'll have that coming up and then July we'll be back with more stuff, uh, potentially, uh, destiny, which queen part two, uh, we just got to, it's scheduling is the artist part for that one. Uh, and then we've got other things like, uh, the Lightyear movie, uh, still have to watch that, but we'll have stranger things, uh, season four. And, uh, I feel like we had something else. Oh, Potentially Momo, I'm going to talk to Momo because we have Comey and Spike's family now to talk about and potentially uh, Ranking of Kings and some other stuff like that. So plenty of anime, nice. shows, movies, all that kind of stuff. And maybe some games. I don't know because it's, it's just uh, it's been a little hard lately to do that part, but we'll see what happens. Well, if you guys ever decide to relive Top Gun and play Ace Combat, hit me up. Of course. Of course, Miles, definitely. Yeah. And if you guys haven't checked out uh, our newest episode from Miles and I from Up To It, Down To It, uh, we talk about surgeries and injuries, and that's a good one. That was uh, episode 10, I believe. Uh, that was more recent, so check that out, too. That was Otherwise, a good episode. It was a, a good episode. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you guys can write into Sutraside Talk at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. You guys can send us feedback, comments, any questions you want us to read on the show, and uh, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or same thing, really. But uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. If it is Apple Podcast, give us a five-star review. If it is Spotify, if you can rate it. And if it's YouTube, like and subscribe. All those things help us out a little bit. And uh, yeah, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I know I keep talking about TikTok. Uh, July. I think it'll happen. <laughs> so I know I keep saying that, but I think I'm I'm feeling really good about July. I'll, I'll start having content for it then. And because uh, I just got to edit some little little clips for everybody to throw out there, but we'll get it out there for sure. Uh, otherwise, Miles, where can people find you? You guys can find me mainly on Twitter on the handle the count of S, or you can have find me on Instagram at MilesWCD. And on both platforms, I answer questions, upload drawings, and usually give an opinion here or there. All right. And you can follow James on Twitter at InvaderJim124. Same with Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at GogoComzilla and Instagram at Killashoosh. Everything is all in the show notes there if you want any links to anything. So feel free to utilize all of that. But otherwise, thank you guys for watching or listening. We will catch you all later. So long. Thanks for listening. <laughs>